Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you've joined us in worship today. If you are a visitor today, we hope you were greeted as you came in. We hope you have a bulletin that will guide you through the service. Anything that you possibly need, you simply let us know and we'll take care of it. Um, we have a couple more improvements to the chancel area. Every week we are a little bit further along. This week we have um, steps and cork on the floor, which is going to improve the sound quality of what's going on. And these pews that are here, that will not normally be here, will eventually come back up in a new form that will face our congregation, which is, uh, which is gonna be great. We hope in the next three weeks that's going to happen. We have a new bulletin today, as promised. If you'll take it and start with me just like this, we'd like to put our staff on the front. If you need to reach any of them, you can write their first name at memorialgreer.com. If you open it, you'll have what we'll always have on this flap. If you're sharing anything with us, you can fill it out. And 11 o'clock, folks, we want you to leave it right in the pew. Just leave it right there in the seat behind you. And our people will come along and pick it up and we'll take care of what you've placed here. Unique today in the next couple weeks is the Easter lilies and what service you want them to be placed, where you want them to be placed, and also a note uh, for Miss Brindley uh, and her baptism today. You can write that, you can leave the bulletin in your pew, and we'll pick it up. If you open it further, you have our five practices of fruitful congregations. These are the framework of our announcements. We're going to try to say less. We're going to try to write less because we feel like we've been overloading you with words in every single way. Uh, so we're going to count on you to read this and to contact us if you need help. Um, we have visitor cards and prayer cards in the pews. If you'd like to share with us a concern, a joy, whatever it may be, if you'd like to share a pastoral care emergency, you can call the phone number that's there and uh, on the front of the bulletin anytime, 24-7, and I will get a message if you leave a clear message. Um, as we, we did the State of the Church last week in the Sunday School Hour, and I laid out all sorts of progress that we've made in the past year and things that are upcoming. If you missed that and would like to watch it, we recorded it on YouTube, and all you have to do is contact Leslie this week, and she will help you have that. Um, the, there's a link in the email. You'll see a change in the extravagant generosity section. Um, we're no longer going to list the financial report week to week um, because it's kind of thin and takes up space. Um, we are going to have a report in the newsletter, which also came out today. Um, so if you would like to have a newsletter, they'll be in the back. There'll be a far more detailed financial report of our church in the newsletter, not this time because we just did it, um, but in April. I think you'll um, like the changes that we made. Uh, make sure you pick up a newsletter. There's also a digital version of everything we do uh, in the email as well. That's uh, all of our announcements, so if you'll stand and join me with our first hymn, number 301.
Apostles' Creed is the way in which we affirm our faith in this worship service. You're welcome to join us and you're welcome to listen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. reading today is from the book of Mark, chapter 14, verses 55 through 59. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days will build another not made with hands. Yet even then, their testimony did not agree. This is the word of God for the people of God. If you'll please turn to page 38 in your hymnal. It's doubly fun today um, because the Calcutts are joining our church as well as having a baptism. So they have similar responses from you. So we're going to consolidate that. We're going to read that now and I'll tell you what we do. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. I ask the two of you, as members of Christ's Universal Church, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church? and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries. As members of this congregation, we faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. Congregation, we now turn to you. Members of the household of God, I commend these persons to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love.
the God of all grace, who has called us to eternal glory in Christ, establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you may live in grace and peace. First, welcome to Memorial. Thank you. Welcome. We're glad to have you. If y'all will welcome them into membership. Everyone who's been joining these couple weeks and people further along this year will all come to um, new classes that we're starting called GPS classes. So you find your way around Memorial. Um, you'll hear a lot more about that um, from Leanna Morris, our Director of Connection. If you'll now turn to page 39. Brothers and sisters, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. I present Brindley Elizabeth Calcutt for baptism. <laughs> but you can keep the passy. My word, keep the passy. It's a veteran move there. On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? We will. We, do. we nurture this child in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example, she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life. I remember this well. <laughs> I've just asked you this question as part of membership, and so we're going to count that for both. So if we'll bless the Thanksgiving over the water. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and she who receives it, to wash away her sin and clothe her in righteousness throughout her life that dying and being raised with Christ, she may share in his final victory. United Methodists baptize infants because we believe that God loves us before we ever do a thing before we ever understand a thing, before we ever respond. And so we baptize infants to say, God loves you before you understand it, and we're all going to love you and help you understand it over time. Yeah. 
Elizabeth, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. See you. Mm. Take her back. We're going to all place hands on her. Grandma Elizabeth, the Holy Spirit work within you being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You've also welcomed them in Christian love and membership. So I'll simply say welcome. We're grateful to have you. We're grateful that all of you made the trip to be here. And every single one of us now participates in this promise going forward by our presence and our promise today. You may have a seat. Let me say a brief word about prayer because it matters according to the bulletin. It was our practice to have prayer concerns in the bulletin. But as I said in the state of the church last week, it would occasionally cause confusion because someone was not placed on it, or because they were placed on it, or because they were taken off of it, or because they were left on it. And with increasing frequency, people like privacy. And so we're no longer going to post that in the bulletin, but we're going to build a list of people. Yep, <laughs> thank you. We're going to build a list of people that are going to receive that by a phone call or by an email, because we know that there are people in this congregation that want to be part of a vital prayer life beyond the Tuesday prayer group. And so we're going to figure that out in short order, and you'll hear about it in, in every way from us. And I never, even though I'm the one that said we do it, I never remember number 611. Let's turn for the last thing we're going to do for uh, our family. If you'll turn to page 611, and we'll sing verses 1 and 3 before we pray together. thank you for this amazing day, a day in which we have a baptism, a communion table, a gathering together of your people. Use every element in this service, Lord, 
that your people through prayer, through song, through scripture, through proclamation, through the sharing of the table, through the promises that we make that we may truly understand your amazing, all-encompassing, pursuing love for us. Help us, Lord, to respond to that love so that we may share it as we go forth from this place. Inspire us, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering. You can give as the plate comes by you. You can give electronically with instructions in the bulletin. And if you're a guest today, we certainly don't expect you to give. You can, uh, but we don't expect you to. You can rely on the generosity of our folks.
seated. The first scripture reading was the beginning of this text, Mark 14, 55 to 59. We'll continue with verse 60 on page 1554, 1581, I apologize. Consider this first. The courtroom. Across every decade of television, across multiple genres of drama, comedy, dramedy, and one for like two weeks there was a musical, law and music show. Uh, it didn't catch on, but there was a musical version of that as well. Big city TV shows about the law, small town TV shows about the law, same with movies. There's shows about prosecutors, there's shows about defense attorneys, there's shows about judges, there's shows about all of that. Television only responds to us, so we must have an enormous appetite for courtroom dramas and even comedies. Why is that? Why did we love the practice? Why did people love L.A. Law? Why did my dad come home every day as a real estate agent when I was a child and fall asleep to Perry Mason at lunch? Why, uh, there are all kinds of shows on today, I don't watch as many, but Law & Order has been on basically my entire adult life. I think since I was 21 it's been on. I'll be 40 this month. Time and time again they keep coming out with new law shows and movies, and I think it's because of at least three things. The mystery. You're given just tiny pieces of it as it goes along from different perspectives. So you don't know exactly how it's going to turn out and you're looking with the person watching with you, whether it be roommate, whether it be spouse, whether it be sister, whether it be parent, whether it be child. And at the end, in the 59th minute, when it comes to you, you say, see, I told you, I knew it. Whatever it may be, trying to figure out the mystery. Because of the drama. If you think about um, A Few Good Men when Tom Cruise is yelling, did you order the code red? He screams back in the drama, the two of them going back and forth at each other. And finally because of the stakes. Because if this person is found guilty, there's going to be serious repercussions. Or if this person's found innocent because of the work that's happened since the very first minute to find that little clue that there was a thumbprint 15 feet up that they found with a laser, whatever that might be, that makes that person innocent. So that's our first word today. Testimony. It's a significant thing that happens in this text. And it's Jesus in front of 71 elders plus whatever crowd was there. These elders are skilled in uh, theology. They're skilled in political matters. They're skilled in legal matters. And they look upon anything that's any trouble with the temple in Jerusalem. So as Jesus was out in Galilee um, doing everything he was doing, almost 85% of his ministry, they knew about him, but it wasn't that big a deal. He's coming now to Jerusalem right where they are. And he has to stand trial in front of these men for things he's done that they find to be against God's hopes and dreams. The structures that they built that he is defying. So testimony. 
these elders in the holy city might say, this man is not respectful. This man is not humble. You hear what he says about himself and what others say about him in being directly connected to God. This man is a complete threat to us. Now, how could that be? It's because the high priest who's presiding over it all is holding several things in tension. He's got the Roman government looking right over him who could squash him like a bug anytime they're ready and replace him with someone else. He's got 71 elders who would all probably like to replace him and be the one in charge, just like anybody that is uh, presiding like they are. He's got the pressure of being the most significant person in the temple. And oh yeah, he's supposed to be connected to God and do exactly what God wants. So you imagine how hard it is to hold the Romans doing what they want, to hold what these 71 people want, to hold what the people on the outside of the temple want, and to figure what God wants all in tension, and you've got it exactly finely tuned, like this piano, and Jesus comes in and is doing all sorts of stuff. He's turning over tables in the temple. He's saying that the temple might not last three days. He's saying all sorts of stuff that is entirely threatening if you take it the wrong way. That's the testimony of the people who are coming before this Sanhedrin. But if you talk about the testimony of the people who are not in the temple, people from little small towns throughout the Gospels before they got to Jerusalem, people who were on the outskirts, people who were on the outskirts from people on the outskirts for various reasons, they would say, I can see because he healed me. I can walk because he healed me. I'm alive because he healed me. I'm included because he healed me. So people with total significance in the temple are given their testimony against him saying he's a threat. But people with no significance out on the outskirts would say, he's the reason I'm alive and here. So verse 60. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One, coming on the clouds of heaven. So you talk about a code red. That's getting him to say that he did it. Let me tell you about the word I am. That's your next phrase. I am. It's that simple. It's a tiny little phrase. It has enormous significance for the people of this faith. It's familiar to everyone in the room, all of the council uh, men, because it's deeply tied to their faith, to their practice, to everything they ever are because it's God himself. When Moses, back in Exodus, back in the very beginning of the Bible, is up on a mountain and they've gone out of the um, slavery and towards promised land, Moses is on the top of the mountain by himself. He's about to bring several things down to the people which is going to change their life and he's mildly concerned that no one will believe him because he was by himself. 
think if I went up to Paris Mountain for two weeks and I came back down and declared to y'all everything that was going to change about church and about your faith, what would you want to know? Where'd you get that? So Moses says to God in Exodus, if they ask, um, who told me this? What should I say? The people of the Old Testament don't say the word God. We say the word God. We say it very commonly. We say it in very holy ways. And we will occasionally say it in very unholy ways. It's part of our faith. But the their faith, you don't say the word God. They would say the word Yahweh. They would not mention the word God because of its total significance to them. It shouldn't even be spoken. That ties back to the day that Moses is on the mountain and he says, who should I say told me this stuff? And God responds to him, tell them I am who I say I am. Pretty authoritative. And so when anyone of the Jewish faith of that time all the way to today hears the phrase I am, it's deeply connected to God. And so in this court proceeding, the high priest says to Jesus, are you going to declare what we think you're going to say? And he says, I am. It's code. Verse 63. The high priest tore his clothes. He said, why do we need any more witnesses? Have you heard this blasphemy? What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. They figured he deserved death. You know why? They've heard about someone coming from God to be directly with them, to lead them to what they were supposed to be, but they couldn't believe it was during their time. Couldn't believe it. Could not believe that a human walking amongst them could have any authority like God could any more than we could leaving here and going to Walmart for groceries and someone going out and saying, I am the Son of God. You don't need any bread. You don't need any milk inside the Walmart. Simply follow me. What would you say? You keep going. And you go around him and you go in and you get the bread and the milk and the things that you need. They could not believe it. They could not fathom that God would come that close to them and reach out for them in that manner. They can't believe in something new. They could only believe that God did something thousands of years ago. Here's a quote from Adam Hamilton. He's the um, author of the book that we faced this season and lent on, 24 Hours That Changed the World. He said, We are all born afraid. Part of that is a mechanism God has given us to protect ourselves. We call it the self-preservation instinct. That mechanism can be helpful in dangerous situations. There are times when we have to fight, to work, to exert energy in order to save ourselves. And there are also times when we need to run from a situation. Unfortunately, our self-preservation instinct is coupled with our sin instinct. The thing that we figure only we want to do the thing. Only we want to know the thing. We want to decide what to do. There's something in all of us that is broken. We have the propensity to do the wrong thing. To twist what is meant to be good. To misuse and distort it. 
That's tough, isn't it? That's hard to hear. It's hard to figure that I could be that way, that you could be that way. But in this season of Lent, we have to read passages, we have to read texts to understand the difficulty that Jesus faced as he came to this earth because of human desires and human wants. So your last phrase, what he deserves. What do you think Jesus deserves? What do you think Jesus deserves today? A man who is willing to take on the frailty of being human, a man who is willing to be an infant in a tiny town with a king chasing him. A man who is willing to reach out to people, whoever they were, wherever they were, however they were, and draw them closer. That's the sweet side. That's the friendly side. But also a man who is willing to go to Jerusalem to face this council, to face the high priest, to face Pontius Pilate, anyone who felt threatened by him, so threatened that they would take his very life to not feel that threat anymore. He did it even though he knew that would be the response. So what does he deserve from us in this time, in this period? Gratitude. Willingness to serve, willingness to fight, not fight with one another, but fight our inside, our instincts to serve our own will, our own wishes. He deserves for us to approach the table as we come for Holy Communion with open and broken hearts. He deserves a response for us in this season that we say we want to follow you better than we ever have. That's exactly what Jesus deserves. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll turn with me in your bulletin to the liturgy, I'm sorry, in your hymnal for the liturgy for Holy Communion. It begins on page 12. In the United Methodist Church, we find it completely significant to gather around the table once a month to declare the brokenness that we've experienced as human beings, to express our gratitude and our acknowledge the grace that God has given us, and to come share a common table, a common meal, just as Jesus did before his condemnation. We start on page 12. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Why did we do these things? Why did we not do what we were supposed to do? Sometimes it's fatigue. Sometimes it's confusion. Sometimes it's anger. But sometimes it's fear. We fear that if we do this, something might happen. 
we see what Jesus did when he faced that fear. And we're called by this liturgy to acknowledge the ways in which we've fallen short. But we don't just do that. We acknowledge God's forgiveness for us as well. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Forgiven. And given a new opportunity to face the day given this incredible gift. If you'll turn to the great thanksgiving and join me. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. I now invite those who are going to serve with me to come forward. Adam and Samantha Wycliffe routinely serve with me, although Samantha is going to be out of the game in very short order. Um, uh, she's going to have a baby. Reverend Dennis Lee is serving with me today. Our retired clergy rotate. Reverend Dennis Lee was um, last the Spartanburg District Superintendent just across the state line. And in retirement, he does not miss it at all, right? Not, not in the slightest. And um, he is in the um, choir uh, and blesses us every week. 
if um, y'all will grab the elements. Um, in the United Methodist Church, all who want to come forward for Holy Communion are welcome to do so, but you're not required to do so by any means. Um, we serve, we're today going to serve by intinction because of the nature of the space, which means that um, uh, Dennis or I will give you a piece of bread. We'll have a cup there. You place the bread in the cup and eat it. If you need gluten-free elements, they're on each corner. You just pass us by and... Um, or, or get that right before you pass us by. We're going to go by the outside, and your ushers will lead you, and you'll return um, by the inside. And because the whole choir is here, they're just going to be part of um, what we routinely do. Um, I believe that's everything.
we are thankful for your table, for the invitation, for the forgiveness, and for the opportunity. Remind us throughout this week of every opportunity we have to share this table with others, whomever we choose to sit with them. In your son's name we pray. If you'll stand and join me at your table for number 77.
emotions swirling throughout this service with all the things that we did, all the things that we said, all the things that we read, and that sort of captures the human life. Every day you got some crazy, amazing high, some crazy low, but God's love is through it all, just like it was through this service. May you go forth in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Amen. Thank you.